Welcome to the Healthy Doctor Podcast, where we host conversations about physician well-being. I'm Dr. Steve Sartori, Director of the Center for Well-Being at the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. At the Center for Well-Being, we help doctors and other healthcare professionals align with God, optimize their well-being, and maximize influence. On this episode, I will be talking with Dr. Emily Schubert about happiness, which seems so elusive to so many of us. Dr. Emily Schubert is a licensed professional counselor and founder of Simplify Life, a boutique counseling and coaching company in Atlanta. Her goal is to help professional women experience greater fulfillment at work and life. As a speaker, she discusses topics that help women achieve their goals and find satisfaction and fulfillment in life where it matters most. She partnered with respected businessman and innovator Anthony Flynn to write the book, The Happiness Map, which offers a personalized navigation tool to find happiness in life. When she's not working with clients, Emily is serving as an Atlanta board member for Global Health Outreach, an international nonprofit organization committed to serving the medical, dental, and spiritual needs of patients in America and around the world. During her free time, she enjoys running, reading, and spending time with her family and friends and traveling the globe. I'm eager to hear what Emily has to say, so let's get started. Thank you, Emily, for joining me today on the Healthy Doctor podcast, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're going to be talking about some things surrounding happiness, but before we get started, I'm curious about the name of your practice, Simplify Atlanta. Uh, would you be willing to take a little diversion and talk about that just for a moment? Absolutely. Simplify Atlanta, we offer counseling and coaching and specifically focus on anxiety disorders. And Simplify is, is really desire. Life can be so complex. And a lot of times when people come in and they're anxious and overwhelmed with life, we want to just be able to simplify the process. And so we offer counseling and coaching and um, executive training and just a bunch of different resources so that it can be a one-stop shop for them when they come in, because usually life isn't one dimensional and we don't just have one area. Sometimes it's multiple buckets, you know, that, that we need help with. So we just want to be able to kind of be that little magic wand for them mm-hmm. <laughs> to make order. Yeah. So often people want more out of life and in order to get more, they really need less. So true. So true. You've written a book called The Happiness Map, or at least co-authored a book, The Happiness Map. Uh, what was behind that? So I work with a lot of med school students, physicians, and CEOs, and they work really hard thinking that once they get to that certain point, once they get the white coat, once they get to the in the boardroom, that they'll be happy and they'll be satisfied. And they come in with anxiety disorders and they, they leave um, in a much more peaceful place, but continuing to go in their journey and oftentimes they'll come back and see that once they got to the top or once they got that position, they were terribly lonely, they were exhausted, and they weren't satisfied. So I work with professionals who have, you know, are very directed and very focused, and they get to this place and they're not where they want to be. They, they're at the top and they didn't think. Maybe they got their credential, but they don't have the the satisfaction that they thought would accompany that. And so I wrote a book um, in order to help people say, hey, wherever you are in your journey, this whole 
once I have this, then I'll be happy mindset. We really need to throw that out because that's not effective. It's not efficient. It's not truthful. And I work with professionals who are very high functioning and usually professionals. Um, and my co-author works with the opposite end. So he came from a profound, profound poverty and has a nonprofit to aid those in the inner city and the education realm. And so he's a married African-American man with two kids and I'm a single Caucasian female living in the city and he's in the burbs. And so our backgrounds and even our current realities are, are really different. And that's why we came together for the main reason we wanted to be able to say and demonstrate that two people from different genders, different backgrounds, different walks of life that are shaped radically different cultural backgrounds, that this whole framework and concept of happiness works. So whether you are on one, you're in extreme poverty or whether you are in middle or upper class, whether you are married or single, whether you are very accomplished or you are just starting out, that what's true for for everyone is the same. Emily, we talk about the elusive pursuit of happiness and how it seems to always be in front of us and never really achievable, or if we think we are going to get there, we don't. But you've you've, uh, authored this happiness model, and I'm wondering if you could take uh, just a few moments to help us understand this happiness model. Sure, absolutely. So we created something that is a four by four model because the process towards happiness is definitely elusive one. So we wanted to simplify it and create a framework so that you can reach your happiness destination in truly the most efficient and effective way. And to do this, we highlight four key life coordinates and four factors to each of these coordinates. The four happiness coordinates were based upon a ton of research that we did, polls and community outreach, and then also our own journey towards happiness, which we talk about more in the book. The four areas are family, financial, community, and physical. And and in the community is, is your relationship with God and relationship with others. But the four coordinates help you find your bearings only when your life GPS is enabled by another universal force, which is purpose. The purpose is at the core of this. And so from that, that purpose enables us to be the most fruitful in our family, in financial areas, in community and physical. And so when when Christ, the purpose of being loved children of God and making that love known to others is at the core, then we're able, that influences and permeates everything that we do. That's that's very critical. The four fulfillment factors are the destination, location, realization, and acceleration. And so since we're using a map, we have navigational terms for that. Let's use, for example, um, financial. So destination is where do I want to go in this area and why? For medical students or residents or fellows, they are probably still paying a lot of student loans or haven't yet. And so for them understanding where do I want to go and why, they are probably making very little, if anything, and realizing that that one day they will make, their their salary will increase. And for them to step back and say, okay, where do I want to go? What, what do I want for my financial? How do I want to spend this money? And, and what do I want to do with the kingdom, um, for the kingdom with this? How can I steward this? And why do I want that? that's really critical a lot of times for for people when they're just starting their practice. Location is key because it helps them understand where they are now. A lot of times, especially with financial world, a lot of people, like they, they don't even 
know where they are currently. They just know they're in a lot of debt. And even if they don't have a lot of money, it's helpful to understand where they are right now. And sometimes that's hard for location because we don't want to admit where we are because it's uncomfortable. And even for students who are starting out and making very little, if any, money um, and, and accruing student loans, which they will be able to pay off, the location can be helpful because they can go into a Dave Ramsey class or get some educational understanding, um, stewardship, biblical stewardship, and financial realization is um, what do I need to change to close the gap? So that's probably increasing their education, understanding finances more, maybe even having a mentor to help them that's that's in practice and then acceleration how I can my best move forward consistently. Mm. What does that look like? Um, and it really helps people to mindfully walk through this process without just saying, okay, I just want to get there, but I don't know what there is. Um, a lot of this is stepping back and, and playing out this process so that they can be as strategic as possible. Physicians and medical students and um, just medical professionals don't have a lot of time. And so this is a really simple way of being able to write down some specific questions and answers so that they can be able to accelerate in this area, even in small steps, one at a time. It's interesting because I think physicians are so, uh, they're constantly looking to serve other people and help other people with, uh, you know, once the diagnosis is clarified, then going with the treatment plan and many times not creating their own treatment plan for themselves. And I've just noticed specifically for whether it's finances, finances and relationships are many times the, the areas that are atrophying in their own life because they're, they're giving, 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 and their kids, um, their, their relationship with their kids are, are not flourishing or their, the relationship even with themselves and their, their physical health, you know, it's a cardiologist who's increasing, you know, he's, he's becoming obese, you know, it's, it's just, it's so ironic because they're, they're serving other people, but many times they don't step down and apply some of the tools themselves. And so I think this is something that, that is concise and simple to help them do it, do it on a daily basis for what they're doing every day with their patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you work with some healthcare professionals talking about cardiologists or other folks like that. It sounds like you have some insider information about us. Yeah, yeah. I love working with uh, medical professionals because my job is to be out of a job ultimately, you know, and so I want to be able to give those tools so that so that they can be able to do what they're doing best, you know, and, and I think a lot of times when people are unhappy or they're depressed or they're anxious, they think, okay, something's really wrong with me and we look at it from a pathology perspective and it's really okay wait how can we step back maybe you're not happy okay how can you learn these tools implement them and get right back in the game now you know these challenges that we face uh, start early in life as a healthcare professional for us and you know the Mayo Clinic I think or another research study said that the mental health of medical students entering medical school is actually pretty good even exceeding their peers. But after two years of medical school, the mental health deterioration was dramatic, and compared to their peers, their mental health declined significantly. And uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about how do we help medical students, especially in these first two years, so they don't suffer from this decline in their mental well-being? Um, I do a, a three-step approach for this with students. Um, first is just to normalize it. 
and to normalize what they're going through. So basically for medical students, when they're coming into medical school, when they're in pre-med, they're at the top of the class. They're at the top of really the university or in, in the math science arena. And so they are kind of big fish in that pond. And then when they get into medical school, many times it's identity crisis in some ways. Not only is it harder, but they are also having this identity crisis of I'm no longer the smartest. I am hustling with everyone else or I'm not even at the top. I'm maybe in the middle or the lower end of the class um, percentage wise. And so first is to normalize and say everyone Everyone has that, you know, like that, that's very normal. And then for them to be able to validate it, validate means that, that they can identify where they're anxious because we cannot change. We cannot fix what we do not identify. And so in that validation and, and, and really identification process, um, that's the first step. And then for them to be able to apply tools that accelerate them in their role, wherever they are in, in that process. So whether they're anxious, whether they're depressed, or whether it's maybe subclinical or not even a clinical level of anxiety or depression, just to be able to see what, what tools can I then apply so that I'm not stuck in this place. It's not just to identify and say, this is a label you have to live under. It's now what can I I'm going to identify this so then I can be able to apply the information that's the most helpful to be able to get back to this place. But I, I do love through the Christian perspective when they first come in and, and feel like that, that, that kind of that identity crisis. I love this process because many times they come in and they're in tears and they're like, I can't think myself out of this. You know, I've been able to think myself out of so many situations and I'm having panic attacks in the bathroom right before um, a step step. Uh, step uh, test or I'm, you know, I'm panicking during orientation or whatever that looks like. Um, I love through the Christian perspective, being able to see, okay, your identity was probably based out of at some level based out of your achievements and your performance and being able to see, Hey, all of that actually at this time, although this is uncomfortable and hard, you can still thrive, but the identity needs to change from that of I am an A plus student or I'm smart or I'm pre-med or I'm medical school to I am a beloved daughter and son of God and in him, my favorite rest. And that is it, you know, mm -hmm. and everything else, everything else is, is lovely. And I work out of my belovedness. I achieve out of my belovedness, not to earn my belovedness, but because I have been given everything I need, you know, Ephesians one, where we've just God has lavished his love upon us. And you are just as loved as the top of your class as you are at the bottom of your class and done nothing to earn or deserve that. And so I think that for medical students, while they come in and they are many times just despondent because their anxiety or depression has gotten them to a place where they are no longer thriving and it's made an impact on them. I look at it as I think the Lord and the church in, in general, we look at it as like, okay, this feels negative. It feels like darkness. It feels overpowering, but the Lord is going to turn this around and he is going to make your pain have even greater purpose. Mm. So where were you in my first two years of medical school? <laughs> yeah. Could have been helpful, that competitive spirit that suddenly I was no longer at the top of my class, but now 
uh, there was some real competition, and I was sort of a middle-of-the-roader. Yeah, that was challenging for me, and for many, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, how can medical students help each other if they don't seek out a therapist like you? Many of them don't. Most of them don't. But how can they help one another? a great question. That's why I love CMDA. Um, I, I think that community is so key. When I go on trips with CMDA into um, just really impoverished rural third world areas, we do crisis counseling and intervention and trauma counseling and um, just training. And it's interesting because we'll see a lot of patients and many of, of whom have never had counseling before. And that doesn't mean that every single person needs it, but um, but it's interesting because these communities, our whole goal is going back into community before counseling, before therapy, before any of this was ever into being, which is it's relatively new in, in regards to what's out there. You know, it's, it's just you know, over a century or so old. There has been community and community can be the the most valuable resource, especially to those who don't have access to or don't um, reach out for therapy. And so I think that the body of Christ is so important and being able to say, hey, me too, you know, taking the mask off and saying, me too, I'm, I am suffering or I'm having a hard time. And how can I pray for you? You know, and, and being able to recognize some of the messages some of the anxious messages that they have and combating those with truth is really important. Also, I encourage medical students to write down names of God and where they see God in that area. So um, many times when we pray, our prayer is spiritualized worry, right? So it's like, God, help me with this test. Help me with this test. And so where's our focus? Test. The test gets bigger and God gets smaller. And so for medical students in groups, I'll say find a group. And if you guys can write down the different names of God and then see Jehovah Jireh, how did he how did he provide for me in this area? And then being able to tell stories in your group so that you can see the same God who provided for my friend is also the same God who's going to provide for me. And being able to tell stories of God's faithfulness, even in that situation, is going to be so encouraging, just like the Israelites did, you know, in the desert and different times in their chronology of that being able to share stories of God's faithfulness. That is incredibly impactful for students when they're in the trenches. As we begin to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listening audience? Yeah, I would really encourage your audiences to think about their happiness and try to implement one factor that you had when you were at the happiest or most content place. I want people to think about where they were when they were at the most content place in their life. Oftentimes it's on a vacation where they were away from their phone or on a mission trip when they were able to really do God's work. And so even though we cannot create that on an everyday basis to see, okay, if it was on a vacation, maybe have a phone free time with your family for an hour every evening. Or if it was on a mission trip, really question, say, am I spending time with the Lord every day? It doesn't have to be these really huge moments. In fact, research shows that most of the times the things that make us the most happy are not the, um, they aren't the fireworks. They aren't the most expensive and elaborate experiences. They're the simple 
routine things like having dinner with your family where you're laughing until your stomach hurts, you know, and being able to just implement those for people who are interested in assessing where their happiness is. I encourage them. We actually have a quiz on our website and you can take a quiz and you can read the first chapter for free just to assess where you are. And if people read the book and their number doesn't go down from the pre-read or the post-read quiz, uh, we actually give them their money back, no questions asked, because we know and believe in the work that we're doing. We believe that if people do what we say, um, because it's based upon a lot of research, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques and and more, um, that they're going to be able to see the results and we're willing to put our money on it. Well, very good. I did take that test, but could you remind me where to where they can get that? Yeah, it's um, at www.thehappinessmapbook.com, mm-hmm. and you can go online and be able to just take the quiz. And um, if you want, yeah, just read a, a first chapter for free. We've got a lot of other articles and resources on on that as well. Um, just to just to hit out, I think we can all grow in our level of happiness. And I know the book says happiness, but as believers, we we know it to be contentment and joy. And so it's looking at an inside job and how you can create that and cultivate that for yourself and then hopefully pass along to others. That's great, Emily. I encourage uh, our audience to go get a copy of the book and not just download that first chapter, but get the whole thing. It's actually a fairly easy read. And I love your theme of simplify, you know, let's keep it simple. Let's make sure to hit the highlights. And even that sense that you said, help people remember the happy moments in life, and many of them are really simple moments, not complex, not expensive, just simple, happy moments with family or friends or laughing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, Steve, too, I think a lot of physicians are working with patients who, I mean, primary care physicians and OB-GYNs are some of the primary physicians who give out anti-anxiety and anti-depression medications. And so I think a lot of physicians, that that's a wonderful, helpful thing. But instead of treating the symptoms, they can help treat the problem, not just in their own life, but then offer it to patients too. Mm-hmm. So in the book, we wrote it with a faith-sensitive tone. So it's safe to share with others without offending, while also having a clear conversation about how our faith and spirituality does impact our mood. So It's a resource that is pretty safe if physicians want to offer to their patients or to other people. It's a pretty safe resource to offer that can still also start that conversation Mm -hmm. about spirituality. Well, great. Uh, Emily, thank you for joining me today on the Healthy Doctor podcast, and I wish you the best in all of your pursuits. Thanks, Steve. I hope you can apply some of those tidbits and pearls of information about pursuing your own happiness. Once again, if you want some more information, look for the book entitled The Happiness Map or visit the website thehappinessmapbook.com and take the online assessment that Emily mentioned. If you're looking to manage or prevent burnout, navigate a change or transition, or grow your leadership skills, contact the CMDA Life and Leadership Coaching Ministry by visiting cmda.org slash coaching or email coaching at cmda.org. If you're a cross-cultural healthcare professional experiencing burnout or you simply need to enhance your personal well-being as a medical missionary, 
The Med Retreat Program at Alongside Ministries near Kalamazoo, Michigan may be just for you. The dates are June 23 through July 3. You can find more information at alongsidecares, one word, alongsidecares.net slash medretreat. If you need a speaker for your meeting or event or you're interested in hosting a well-being retreat, you can email wellbeing at cmda.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy Doctor Podcast. Tune in again next month. And until then, care for yourself while you care for others. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.